I spent five years hurting a good woman by staying with her, but never fully choosing her. Welcome to Men This Way, the podcast for every man who seeks to live his deepest purpose in life, who's committed to showing up fully and giving his unique gifts to the world. Because if not you, then who? I'm your host and fellow journeyman, Brian Reeves. Brian with a Y, Reeves. Men, this way. Why is intimate relationship uniquely so challenging? And do you still think relationships should just be easy and flow effortlessly? And what does it actually look like to choose or reject your intimate partner every day? Well, in this episode, I dive into my viral blog, Choose Her Every Day or Leave Her. The blog that back in 2015, it changed everything for me and for millions of people around the world. That blog has been read by 30 million plus people and counting in every country on the planet except for North Korea, as far as my blog stats can tell. To this day, I still get messages from people who tell me that that blog changed how they experience intimate relationship. Relationships, families even, have been saved because of that article. Relationships have also ended because of it. Because either one partner finally realized they weren't ever gonna be truly chosen by their partner, or the other got deeply clear that they had no intention of stepping up and actively choosing their partner. And so they discovered it was best to end the relationship altogether. And now I wanna tell you, you know, in my work with couples, now I'm both a life coach and a relationship coach. I work with individual men and individual women, and I also work with couples and, and people of all sexual orientations. And I've been doing this since 2013. And when I work with couples specifically, I don't go into our work together with an agenda of trying to keep them together. Now, I love it when a couple can make even small shifts in the way that they show up when they begin to learn, for example, the art of masculine and feminine intimacy, and they stop competing to be right over certain facts or details and instead learn to connect first no matter their disagreement. And suddenly their relationship takes on a more effortless flow that they didn't even imagine possible. I love it when that happens, but I also don't believe a couple should stay together if even one partner isn't willing to lean in and do the often uncomfortable work of self-confrontation that it essentially always requires to create a thriving relationship. My parents divorced when I was four, and as painful as it was, thank God they divorced. Because in retrospect, I don't believe that between them they even had the capacity, certainly not the inclination, to really grow and learn by facing each their own unique limitations to loving and their lack of skillful communication. Thank God they only subjected me to four years of relationship dysfunction and not 18 years <laughs> or beyond. Now I wrote Choose Her Every Day 
or leave her five or maybe six years after the most important relationship in my life, at least until then, ended. That relationship was emotionally intense, confusing, riddled with with doubt and uncertainty and abuse even. It was chaotic, a lot like how I remember my parents' relationship in those first four years of my life. And I actually write more about that heart-wrenching experience and many of the lessons that it gave to me in my book, Tell the Truth, Let the Peace, P-E-A-C-E, Tell the Truth, Let the Peace Fall Where It May, which you can find on Amazon or on my homepage at brianreeves.com. But I had no idea the effect that this article would have on people. And the week it went viral in the summer of 2015, which... I don't know, I think is interesting. That was actually about three months after I'd actually written and published it. But when it went viral that summer, I felt like I owned Facebook. It was everywhere. And it even played a fascinating role in bringing my lovely lady Sylvie to me, whom I met the same week that article went viral. But that's story for another time. In this episode, I want to revisit this epic blog that still seems to sing a resonant chord in the heart of humanity. And definitely stay tuned for my three key takeaways, plus I think I throw in a bonus takeaway, at the end of this episode of Men This Way. All right, let's dive. I spent five years hurting a good woman by staying with her, but never fully choosing her. I did want to be with this one. I really wanted to choose her. She was an exquisite woman, brilliant and funny and sexy and sensual. She could make my whole body laugh with her quick, dark wit and short-circuit my brain with her exotic beauty. Waking up every morning with her snuggled in my arms was my happy place. I loved her wildly. Unfortunately, as happens with many young couples, our ignorance of how to do love well quickly created stressful challenges in our relationship. Before long, once my early morning blissful reverie gave way to the strained, immature ways of our everyday life together, I would often wonder if there was another woman out there who was easier to love and who could love me better. As the months passed and that thought reverberated more and more through my head, I chose her less and less. Every day for five years, I chose her a little less. I stayed with her. I just stopped choosing her, and we both suffered. Choosing her would have meant focusing every day on the gifts she was bringing into my life that I could be grateful for. Her laughter, beauty, sensuality, playfulness, companionship, and so much more. Sadly, I often found it nearly impossible to embrace or even see what was so wildly wonderful about her. I was too focused on the anger insecurities, demands, and other aspects of her strong personality that grated on me. The more I focused on her worst, the more I saw of it, and the more I mirrored it back to her by offering my own worst behavior. Naturally, this only magnified the strain on our relationship, which still made me choose her even less. Thus did our nasty death spiral play itself out over five years. She fought hard to make me choose her, That's a fool's task. You can't make someone choose you even when they might love you. And to be fair, she didn't fully choose me either. 
The rage-fueled invective she often hurled at me was evidence enough of that. I realize now, however, that she was often angry because she didn't feel safe with me. She felt me not choosing her every day, in my words and my actions, and she was afraid I would abandon her. And actually, I did abandon her. By not fully choosing her every day for five years, by focusing on what bothered me rather than what I adored about her, I deserted her. Like a precious, fragrant flower, I brought proudly into my home but then failed to water. I left her alone in countless ways to wither in the dry, hot heat of our intimate relationship. I'll never not choose another woman I love again. It's torture for everyone. If you're in a relationship, I invite you to ask yourself this question. Why am I choosing my partner today? And if you can't find a satisfying answer, dig deeper and find one. It could be as simple as noticing that in your deepest heart's truth, I just do. And if you can't find it today, ask yourself again tomorrow. We all have disconnected days. But if too many days go by and you just can't connect with why you're choosing your partner and your relationship is rife with stress, let them go. Create the opening for another human being to show up and see them with fresh eyes and a yearning heart that will enthusiastically choose them every day. Your loved one deserves to be enthusiastically chosen every day. You do too. Choose wisely. <sighs> wow. Boy, I haven't even read that in probably a few years. <sighs> so here's my three key takeaways from that blog, Choose Her Every Day or Leave Her. And I certainly want to hear from you, you know, how did that blog, how has that served you? If it has, or even if you're just hearing it for the first time, how is it serving you? What does it inspire you? You can now reach out to me directly at Brian, Brian with a Y, at brianreeves.com. I'd love to hear from you. Here's my key takeaway number one. Relationship requires skills. Most of us are using the wing it method. I was using the wing it method. It's what I call just making shit up as I go. You're essentially really reacting or, or, or doing relationship as a reaction to what my parents did, either mimicking exactly what they did because that's my model for intimacy or doing something in reaction to what my parents did. For example, if my parents, if I noticed my parents didn't talk about what was really going on in the room, and you know, kids were sensitive. We can tell when something ain't working, when something's grinding and or, or something big is happening. Maybe it's alcoholism or you can feel one parent is not fully present, maybe working all the time and you can see mom's or dad is upset about that and but they don't talk about it. And so in your relationship now, you overemphasize talking about everything when it, when it comes up rather than learning how to create the container for these conversations and, 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 and honoring timing and all kinds of different things that could be helpful in communicating what you need to communicate. So I call it the wing it method. And it doesn't work. Certainly never worked for me. Relationship requires skills. You know, what would choosing her look like? 
Uh, you'll notice this line from the blog. Choosing her would have meant focusing every day on the gifts she was bringing into my life that I could be grateful for. That's a skill, learning to focus every day, focus on what's working. The Gottman Institute, this, this, uh, 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 this, uh, the Gottman Laboratory created by the Gottmans, John and Judy Gottman, they have been researching couples for decades in a laboratory environment. And they've come up with, they've seen in their own experiments that there's a, a five to one ratio for successful couples. And the five to one ratio is this, it's five positive interactions for every one negative or neutral interaction. That's what a successful couple does, five to one. That's a huge ratio. So many of us, and myself included, again, doing the wing it method, you know, just leaving my brain to its own devices, and the brain is programmed for survival, not for thrival. We're programmed in our brain by culture, by our parents' generation, by millennia of humans just trying to survive. We're programmed to survive. We are really... You know, we're, we're living in a paradigm where we're, we have for the first time in really human history in mass, the tools, the access to resources that can help us thrive, um, particularly in the West or particularly in a country where you're able to listen to this podcast, then you have an opportunity to thrive, but your brain is programmed for survival. So... You know, learning how to pay attention to what works, learning the skill of gratitude can be life-changing for, uh, certainly for your intimate relationship, but also for your life. And learning how to create connection every day. You know, it's very popular to think that couples fight because of money or sex or work or now social media, for example, or maybe extended family issues. But I don't believe that. I actually don't believe that couples fight because of money or because of sex. Sure, it may look on the surface like that's what a couple is fighting about. But I believe, and in my experience working with couples and in my own experience, we fight when there's a, a, a what I call a crisis of connection. We fight due to a crisis of connection. How do you create connection when your parents didn't model that, when culture doesn't model that, when, when the whole world around you doesn't teach you connection, but rather teaches you problem solving, uh, focus on the outcome. You know, those are the, that, that masculine value of creating freedom rather than, um, the, rather than really honoring and practicing the feminine value of creating connection. Well, we don't have those skills by and large. And there, therein lies the source of so much of the conflict in the world today, whether it's in politics or in our intimate relationships. So relationship requires skills. One of the most important skills that I think we can learn is actually how to shift conflict in a moment where a disagreement arises. And you know, you and your partner, you're two very, very different people. You're going to disagree regularly if you're being honest with each other and with yourselves. So when disagreements arise, rather than watching them uh, devolve into conflict, 
did you know that also, and I'm, I, I asked that, did you know? Of course, you don't know this. I didn't even know this till a, f- a few years ago. But this is mind-blowing that, again, the Gottman Institute in, in, in researching couples in a laboratory environment, that they can determine by watching a couple have a conversation in the first three minutes, they can determine whether that conversation is going to end uh, well or end poorly. In the first three minutes, that is impressive. Not because they're good at making predictions, but because it shows you that there are some very specific things happening in the first three minutes of a conversation that will determine with an extremely high degree of accuracy, 95% accuracy, which direction your conversation is going to go, which means you can learn these skills. So... You know, my, my partner and I, Sylvie uh, Kukassian, um, incredible marriage and family therapist doing amazing work over on Instagram, she and I created our Conflict to Connection program to teach these, these skills, to, to help you learn the little things that you can do, the, the, the sentences that you can say, the, the, you know, when I was doing relationship in my wing it method, I was just blurting out what I thought to be true, what I just thought how, how things are. And I, I wasn't, I wasn't wrong from my own perspective, but I was speaking into a partner, uh, speaking to a partner whose world looked dramatically different from mine. And she was just doing the same thing all the time, just uh, communicating her world. And, you know, it clearly it just doesn't work to just vomit our stories and judgments and our truths onto each other. It just doesn't work. We need to learn how to communicate in each other's language. And one of the things that I, I, I'm often reminding couples when I work with them is that when you're doing intimate relationship right, you're actually managing each other's nervous system. You're managing your partner's nervous system. You're using what I call language needles to little like little acupuncture needles. I actually learned that term from one of my beloved teachers, uh, Diane Connolly and Bob Duggan. Um, uh, they brought acupuncture to this country, essentially, back in the 70s, 60s and 70s. But anyway, language needles, you know, words, sentences, things that you can say to, to inc- that essentially help your partner relax to increase the f- increase their 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 openness to hearing you because they feel heard right and if we don't have these tools these skills usually what we're going to do is just blurt out things or say things that we think are going to make it better but they don't make it better because it's rooted in our own way of seeing things and our own traumas wounds concerns whatever our own truths and our partner doesn't feel heard. So, I mean, that's the wing it method. And I practiced that for a lifetime and it don't work. So get support. That's the point of this. Relationship requires skills. Get support. Go get the skills. You know, read books. Uh, work with a coach. Work with a therapist. Um, do my, uh, Sylvie and my, our, our conflict to connection program. Uh, in fact, uh, you can download it at brianreeves.com slash 90 day, 90 day, brianreeves.com slash 90 day. 
go do that program. We give you the best of the skills that we teach our own clients and that Sylvie and I use together to create an exquisite relationship. We couldn't do it without skills. Okay. Key takeaway number two, it is too easy to get caught in unhealthy patterns. It's too easy to get caught in unhealthy patterns. And this goes along with the wing it method. But, you know, if you're really winging it, then you're trying new things all the time. You're, you're experimenting. Well, okay, that didn't work. Let me try this. But that's not what most of us are actually doing. Most of us are actually just repeating the same unhealthy patterns over and over and over again. And it's too easy to get caught in unhealthy patterns. One of the things that I consistently see in all relationships, whether heterosexual or same-sex or non-gendered relationships, is what I call the relationship death gap. And that looks like this. One partner is more identified and loyal to logic, rationality, logic. And we'll call that, we'll call that masculine freedom. One partner is loyal to, you know, the truth will set us free. And the other partner is more loyal to feelings, to expression. doesn't matter what the truth is. They want to create connection, right? So you got one partner loyal to logic and one partner logic to feelings. And by the way, this can and does flip-flop all the time. It's not that one partner is always loyal to this and the other is always loyal to that, although some relationships can and many do look like that. But oftentimes it might swap just depending on what you're going through in the moment. But in that death gap, you're completely missing each other. You're stuck in a pattern. One of you arguing for certain logic, and by the way, it's their own logic. It's not like there's some universal logic out there but they're stuck arguing for their logic and the other is stuck arguing for feelings. And of course, it's never framed that way. Although it may sound like, you know, you're crazy, you're making shit up. Yeah, well, you just don't care about me. You don't, you're not really being present with me or you, you, you're checked out and you're, why are you so mean? That's often <laughs> kind of how that might sound. And really what one person is saying, hey, I have a certain logic that I'm loyal to and you're not making any sense to my logic. And the other is saying, hey, I'm having a certain feeling experience and you're being really dismissive to my experience. So, you know, that's just one example of an unhealthy pattern that can play out for decades and it can occur over the tiniest little things, things that just don't really matter in the big picture. It can happen over the failure to agree on how you should wash the dishes or stick dishes in the dishwasher, for example. That's one example of an unhealthy pattern. Another example is what I call the tragic cycle of relationship. And this tends to be more in uh, heterosexual relationships. But again, it can play out in same-sex relationships too. And it can look like this. And I'll use heterosexual language just for, this, for the ease of, of uh, conversation, for the ease of this exploration. But the, a man will essentially communicate to his woman, you're too much. You're too much, too emotional, too all over the place, too indecisive, whatever it is, too much. And through his, his essential messages, shrink yourself. And where then she is responding, can respond to him is, well, you're not enough. You don't feel enough. You're not there for me enough. You're not doing 
the right things enough, right? And which, of course, just then causes him to shrink himself even more and not even want to bother trying. And this is a tragic cycle that that couples can very easily get swept into. Both people just wanting to be heard and seen and appreciated and loved and cherished and respected, and yet they're completely missing each other. So this is another cycle that is so common in relationships and it is so easy to get caught in that pattern and you know in that that the article choose her every day or leave her that pattern that that the relationship that i wrote that about that pattern was so evident i was so bothered by her upset i never felt i never thought she really had any reason to be as upset as she was. And, you know, looking back, man, I gave her so many damn reasons to be upset because of my dismissiveness around her pain, around the things that she was, that she had sensitivities around. Um, she had, she brought some things into the relationship that hadn't healed old betrayals. And I just figured, well, you know, I didn't do any of those things. So why do I have to pay for them or be sensitive to them? Or, or if they get triggered, even when my intentions aren't to to betray you and I'm not even betraying you, why should I care in, a, in essence is, is, was my essential approach, which just infuriated her. Of course, that's not going to help her heal what she brought into the relationship. And so naturally her feedback to me, although again, completely unskillful and often done in a very mean and cruel way, because she was scared, was you're not here for me. You're 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 missing in action. You're not showing up for me. You're not doing the things that a man should do. That was kind of the basic message. You're you're not a man, you're a boy, because a man would do all these other things. Again, her communication was incredibly unskillful in the same way that mine was incredibly unskillful. And in our lack of skill, we just destroyed each other and ourselves. And it was awful. And we really could have used help to see that, but we didn't have it. We didn't get it. Actually, that's not true. We actually went to a therapist. I took her to a therapist uh, a couple times and honestly, it was a disaster. It was terrible. That therapist, she had no idea how to hold what we were going through. We were a, 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 a chaotic, passionate, feisty couple and she just i feel like we just we just walked all over our therapist we even i think i broke up with her once in one of the two or three sessions we did she was a young therapist you know new new in the game and man i wonder if she remembers us i i would imagine she probably would because it was not pretty and she didn't know how to hold us so um you know one of the things that i i also encourage couples is don't when you're looking for support you may not get it right on the first one don't be afraid to shop around don't be afraid to interview multiple therapists or coaches for that matter you know i'm a coach i work with couples uh, i have i offer introductory sessions where we just talk and explore for 45 minutes to see if it would be a good fit to work together um and sometimes it's not so, and that's okay, keep looking, but get help because these unhealthy patterns, they're just too easy to get caught in. And when you get caught in a negative reinforcement pattern where 
you know, my trigger causes you to be triggered. And now our triggers are just pinging off each other until, you know, this is how two really good people can create a nasty mess of love together. It's just too easy and it's tragic and it's awful and it's unnecessary. So I'm always encouraged. And and when a couple and even a new couple, I want you to hear this. It's never too soon. It's never too soon to get support. Even if it's the first six months of your relationship. In fact, most couples, if you're being honest about what's happening for you, you're going to start running into walls, you know, after three or four months, you're going to start hitting your shit. Stuff's going to start coming up. That doesn't mean this is the wrong relationship for you. I mean, it might be, but if you feel called, if you're feeling really drawn to the relationship and you're already starting to, to run into stuff after just four, three or four months, get help. It's not too soon. It doesn't mean that there's something wrong. It might actually mean that this is the right relationship to heal all your old stuff. And, you know, better to get support now when things are, when when there's not a lot of baggage and damage between you than 10 years down the road when there's so much hurt and so much resentment, whether spoken or otherwise. Far better to do the work now. Think of it like an inoculation against bad, unhealthy patterns, right? Doing this work early in the relationship. You can't do it too soon. It's invaluable to understand where you're both coming from so that you can remain partners in this dance rather than, again, as most of us devolve into adversaries. Okay, key takeaway number three. Even great relationships will sometimes still be deeply frustrating. Even great relationships will sometimes still be deeply frustrating. You are two thought worlds colliding, two cultures colliding, two, both of you have been marinating in your own unique experiences for usually decades by the time you meet. There is going to be friction There's going to be fire and heat and confusion. It's like there's a new physics being created, a new new world being born. That ain't going to be easy. It's going to, at times, be really frustrating and challenging. And that's okay. And also, and this this was one of my my biggest takeaways in, um, uh, I shouldn't say takeaway, more uh, my biggest insights, my biggest lessons and learnings that I wish someone would have taught me when I was 20, you know, or 15. Um, But in intimacy, there is a very primal, deeply primal and ancient masculine and feminine dance taking place. In intimacy, same sex, heterosexual, non-gendered, every relationship, if it's an intimate sexual relationship, there is going to be this intimate dance of opposites at play. There, the values, the masculine values and feminine values are, are different and they can be apparently in opposition to each other. It's so important to, again, takeaway number one, uh, get the skills, learn about how to do this dance well. And Sylvie and I, we teach that in our Conflict to Connection program. Um, but learn the skills and beware the patterns. You know, there are some things that are going to persist for the potentially the rest of your life together. Sylvie and I, we used to, um, 
<laughs> we noticed, mm, I guess we saw this kind of early on, but we had this kind of funny moment every night when it came time to turn off the bedroom light. You know, me and my kind of masculine mode was just like, all right, day's over. Let's bring this to an end. I'm done, done. Turn off the light. Let's <laughs> let's shut it all down and end the day. And Sylvie in her more feminine mode was, what do you mean? I don't want to turn off the light. That makes me sad. I'm, I'm going to be sad. It's over. And there's a, there's a very primal difference here. The, the feminine always wants things to continue to go on and on and on for life to flourish and continue and thrive. And the masculine wants to shut it all down and everything to end. Let's get to the end as fast as possible, right? Like what's the point of this conversation? If there's no point, why are we doing it? Let's end it. Always wanting to get to the end. And just this moment of turning off the light at night would be a a, a moment of, of potential stress and tension. In fact, I've worked with couples where that exact moment is actually an, a, a profound relationship stressor because they don't know how to navigate it, right? They haven't connected all day. So the, the partner who's being that stand for connection doesn't want to turn off the light. Like it's time to connect. We haven't connected all day. We've been at work or we've been just doing other things. And like, when are we going to connect? So now's the time. We're both in bed. Let's talk. Let's connect. Let's. And again, that more masculine partner um, is exhausted. Like, let's bring this to an end. Connect. What are you talking about? Look, we're here. I'm in bed with you. What more do you want from me? Right? That has been and can be and often is uh, a source of great frustration for many a couple. Well, Sylvie and I, being aware of, of this difference, you know, we laughed at it. We, we, we just laughed at it. We, we allowed it to be a, a, a time of, of kind of silliness and play, knowing that I'm kind of like eyeing the, the light switch and like, okay, you know, when are we going to be able to do this to just, you know, bring it to a close? And her kind of looking at me with these big, amazingly beautiful eyes like, oh, it's time to play now. And again, it, that tension, we learned to laugh at it. Um, and what's interesting, though, is as I've also done a lot of emotional literacy and emotional connection work to myself um, in the years that we've been together, we've, and as Sylvie likewise has cultivated more of her masculine capacity and she's, you know, her business is exploding and she's spending a lot more time in her kind of masculine essence that moment has become even more of a shared experience in the sense that, wow, you know, it's just looking at her and, and when now we have, you know, we can just tell uh, uh, Alexa, I'm not talking to you, Alexa, don't answer this one. But when we talk to Alexa and we tell her to turn off the bedroom light, you know, she just shuts it off from across the room. Well, Sylvia and I will lock eyes. And as I'm looking at her and the light goes out. I don't know that one. Yeah, I told you, Alexa, I, I wasn't asking you. you. Please don't answer me. We would lock eyes. Hmm, I don't know that one. Good. We would lock eyes when the lights are going out, and then the lights go out, and I feel a profound sadness in my heart, in my being, because I know that one day there is going to come a day when I'm never going to see this woman again for all eternity. And in every night when we turn off the, the light, I get, a, I get a, a foreshadowing of that moment and I feel it and I'm with it and it fucking 
kills me sometimes. And yet I love that it kills me because it's, it's a moment in which I get to really just appreciate that she's still here and that, you know, if all goes well through the night, I'm going to get to wake up next to her again and do this all over. So, you know, just that little practice. And that also, again, comes from learning skills, masculine and feminine skills. For example, um, uh, connection rituals, the fact that we intentionally look at each other when we turn off the light and connect, even if it's just for a moment, that's a skill, it's a practice. And it's, it's incredibly helpful for our relationship. And if we don't do that practice, if we're not aware of this, it can also be a source of incredible frustration. And of course, you know, these frustrations show up in other places just the same. So, you know, the, the point of this, again, this third takeaway is I just want you to know that even great relationships are sometimes going to still be deeply frustrating. The whole idea that you just, you know, find someone who loves you as you are and everything should just flow easy and effortless and, and it shouldn't take any work. That's bullshit. Please hear me. It's bullshit that relationships should just flow and be effortless. Now, you can learn to do relationship with more ease, but that often requires a lot of fucking effort to get to a place where you are dancing with ease. So don't confuse ease and effort, right? It can still take a lot of effort, but you can effort with ease in the same way that Sylvie and I learned to laugh in that moment where the lights would go out right? There's still some efforting there. It still can be uncomfortable and like, oh man, you know, I don't want to disappoint her. She doesn't want to, to annoy me. And, 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 you know, there's tension and it can be uncomfortable, but learning to laugh makes all the difference. And if you aren't up for the growth that relationship requires of you, don't do it. Don't do it. That means you're not ready for a real relationship with a real human being. When Sylvie and I were in Ireland, uh, where we got engaged a few years ago, actually, we the last night we were there, we were on a five-week trip all around the island of Ireland. It was epic and unforgettable. And our, our last night there, we met a man, an Irishman, who'd been married 40 years. We met him at a, at a pub, and uh, he took Sylvie on a, on a, on a sunset carriage ride uh, in his horse-drawn carriage, we were staying at his brother's Airbnb. So he rode us back to his brother's house, and and Sylvie got to got to ride up front, and I uh, I drove the car behind. And anyway, we spent that evening with him in his uh, in in the barn, his horse barn, uh, the scent of 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 polished leather and moonshine uh, and straw. And it just was so, it was so incredible. I want to say the word romantic and it was, it was such a romantic moment in, in uh, Ireland that we spent with this, this, um, kind old man, this kind old Irishman. But we, well, we were in this, this barn drinking his moonshine, uh, flavored with whiskey barrel chips. We asked him a question. He'd been married 40 plus years. Sylvie and I had just gotten engaged. So we asked him a question. We said, what's your secret? What's your secret to a lasting and beautiful relationship? And he thought about it for a moment. And he said, you know, it's actually quite simple. I'm sorry, I'm trying my best Irish accent. I, I usually got to warm up and I usually sound like an Indian man but when I do an accent. But let me, let me try with my best Irish <laughs> in the moment. Forgive me, please. 
Oh, you know, Brian and Sylvie, it's, it's very simple. When my wife is wrong, I apologize. And of course, Sylvie and I, we just busted out laughing. And Sylvie looks at me and goes, you see, Brian, it's easy. To which the Irishman replied, oh, I didn't say it was easy, young lass. I said it was simple, but not easy. And that is really the moral of this story. This work is not easy. So much of it is simple. In fact, one of the core things that I teach my coaching clients that I practice with Sylvie, that Sylvie and I teach in our Conflict to Connection program, is if you can create connection first before you try to solve whatever problem you think is arisen in the moment or whatever disagreement, if you can learn how to create connection first in those first three minutes, you can change everything and you can get through anything together. And it's really quite simple to do it. It's just not easy because you got a lot of old unhealthy patterns and traumas and wounds and insecurities, all that stuff. And that's why I'm a big fan of getting support. My last, I'm actually going to offer a bonus key takeaway here, and we'll flesh this out probably in a a different episode at some point. But the bonus key takeaway is you got to have a shared purpose for why you're together, for why you're in relationship at all. You must have a shared purpose. If you don't have a shared purpose for why you're in relationship together, it's not going to work. It's going to grind your 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 purposes at odds are going to compete and pull each other uh, and pull your own selves in different directions and it's not going to feel good and you might not even understand that that's what's at play so i just want to call that to your attention that's the key takeaway number four the bonus you got to have a shared purpose for why you're in this relationship together and i'm going to flesh that out more in another episode at another time Ah, so awesome. Thank you so much for listening. I trust this serves you and inspires you. You can find the link to the original article, Choose Her Every Day or Leave Her, and my three key takeaways, plus the bonus key takeaway, in the show notes at brianreeves.com slash podcast. If you'd like to share feedback or share what this inspired in you, please email me directly at brian at brianreeves.com. Again, it's brian with a Y, brianreeves.com. I'd love to hear your thoughts. And if you were served by this and you do think that others should hear it, please share this episode with them or just write a review on your podcast app. It really matters. Your words matter whether other people will listen to it. And that way you too can lead more men this way. And don't forget to subscribe yourself while you're at it. I'm your thriving life and relationship coach, Brian Reeves. Brian with a Y Reeves. Until soon, keep your head up, your breath relaxed, and your thoughts inspired.